Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Obviously, this deserves an explanation. Um, Our Willow campus of Church on the Rock um, this past Tuesday had delivered to me this at a staff meeting um, as their Christmas present to me because they know how much I love cats. Anyways, um, so I thought I should wear it tonight in honor of them. And I thought, my mom's going to be here, so I should also put on a tie to spruce it up a little bit. Um, several people have, have been like, oh, you notice your tie is twisted in the back. I'm like, what about my outfit tells you I even care? Like, like <laughs> anyways, first service, my mom and dad were here. My mom was sitting right behind me over here, and I took my jacket off to go up onto stage. I just heard my mom behind me go, Oh my Lord, Jonathan. (laughs) I was like, yes. Look, mom, I wore a tie just for you. Uh, Anyway, so here we are. Um, And you're stuck with this. I'm stuck with you. We're going to have a great time in the next few moments. You ready for this? It's Christmas Eve, y'all. Like, we made it. We're here. You made it out. I'm loving the new service times, by the way. Um, I think we should keep these forever. One, three, and five. I feel like I get a whole day before I actually have to get up and preach. And I'm far more coherent um, by the time I get up here. But next week, going back to our regular service times. Sorry, that's the way that it is. Um, We are uh, wrapping up our series, The Age of the Messiah King. We've been specifically in this passage in Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah chapter 9 is a prophetic passage talking about the coming Emmanuel, God with us. It's the declaration that what we celebrate at this time of year was on its way. And yet, for Israel, they were going to go from that declaration from Isaiah to captivity under the Assyrians and then under the Babylonians, and then under the Persians, and then under the Greeks, and then under the Romans, which is where we're at in our story, the birth of Jesus. But generations of families have been waiting in anticipation for Emmanuel. My title is The Withness of God. The idea that God is present or he is 
here he is with us. It was really obvious to Israel in the early days when they were wandering in the wilderness, when they had been supernaturally delivered from Egypt by God, uh, this pillar of fire and this cloud and the tabernacle that God was with them wherever they went. But as you fast forward, it becomes increasingly difficult to discover his presence for Israel. Why isn't he showing up in my situation? Where is the prince of peace? Where is our wonderful counselor? Where is this mighty God? Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. But is this promise of Emmanuel, God with us? And a couple of weeks ago, we had this question asked, and I want to sort of reframe it tonight. I actually asked this question of my family today earlier. And the question is this, is your reason for celebrating Christmas the same reason that Jesus showed up for it? It was interesting. My wife was like, yeah, I don't think so. It's like, you're a Christian woman. Why would you say no. It's like, if you were to look at how we spend the bulk of our time, our energy, our money, our resources, would you easily conclude that the reason we celebrate this season is the same reason that Jesus showed up for it? It's easy to get lost in all the other stuff, much of which is really good stuff. And yet I've been pondering this for several days. What I want to do in our next few moments is I want to look at three different nativity stories. You've probably heard the classic nativity story. It's the one that sort of your nativity sets are built around. It's the one found in the book of Luke. And, and I want to take a look at three different Emmanuels or God with us in the scripture. In fact, a couple of them you probably have never, ever looked at as a nativity story. And yet they clearly are a nativity story. They're about what we celebrate this night. So here's the three Emmanuels. Just to be clear, in the Old Testament, Emmanuel is spelled with an I because it's out of the Hebrew, and in the New Testament, it's spelled with an E because it was out of the Greek. Can we just get that out of the way? I'm going with the I because we're using the Isaiah passage, and there you go. That's, that's the reason. You can move on now, um, and we can talk about other things. So the infant Emmanuel, the five-pound, two-ounce little baby Jesus. We're going to look at the end times Emmanuel, and we're going to look at the illuminated Emmanuel. The infant Emmanuel, this is the most familiar one probably for most of us. Uh, even um, for me as a kid growing up in a Christian home, um, every Christmas Eve, we would go out as a family out on the farm and we'd find, um, we'd get one of the hay bales, we'd take a hay bale out with us. We had this little Welsh pony named Blue, which was small. Uh, my sister would ride the pony, I would be Joseph. I know it's weird, but we lived in Oklahoma. Um, uh, so it seemed normal. Um, anyways, and so we'd go out, we'd light a hay bale on fire, and my dad would read from Luke the nativity story, the story of the birth of Jesus, the first Noel or nativity. And and so we'd read that story. It's probably one that you're familiar with, but I want to just recap it for a moment and give you the first perspective on God with us. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And she was like, what is this all about? 
Like, that was her question. Like, why are you showing up and telling me, greetings, the Lord is with you? And the angel proceeds to tell her that prophecy all the way back in Isaiah, the prophecies all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, you're the one through which they are going to come into reality, into our world. God with us, Emmanuel, you're going to give birth to a boy, and his name will be called Jesus. And she says, I don't know if you've taken a biology class, but I've never been with a man. You can explain what been with means later to your kids. Like, she's like, I've never been with a man. It's impossible for me to be pregnant. And the angel says, oh, God's got that covered. This is going to be a supernatural birth. And so fulfilling the prophetic scriptures, a virgin would conceive and bear a son. He would be born. But little did they know at that time that there was going to be a census taken in the land and they were going to be forced by the government. The man was going to make them go to Bethlehem. But make no mistake, it was not accidental. It was not the work of man. It was actually the fulfillment of the prophetic scriptures that this child would come into the world in Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph are on their way. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. I saw a meme here recently. It had Mary and Joseph coming into town. It had little bubble captions, you know, and Joseph was saying, I'm sorry, Mary. I know I should have booked a hotel sooner, but here we are. And Mary didn't respond. And then it says, um, and this is how Silent Night began. <laughs> I knew there was a reason. <laughs> but they do end up in a stable of some sort, most likely hewn out of rock, and she gives birth to the Messiah, the anointed one, to Emmanuel, God with us, to the deliverer there. And while all of this is going on, there are shepherds who are watching their sheep in the fields at night, Luke 2, verses 8 through 9. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord says to them, Don't be afraid, I got good news. I'm bringing glad tidings on this night here in Bethlehem. The Savior is born. Here's how you'll know. You go to Bethlehem, you'll find him wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. There weren't a whole lot of babies lying in mangers because it's a feeding trough. Before you get too cute and cuddly with the nativity story, I can just tell you it was not cute and cuddly for Mary. Guys can endure a lot more. You should see the stuff we eat off of the ground when we're out camping. But Mary is giving birth in a very unsanitary place without all of the comforts that maybe you could have had in a world in which nearly 50% of women died in childbirth anyways at some point. And yet the Lord chooses to enter our world in this scenario. This is how you'll know. You'll find him. And then suddenly the sky is filled with at least four other angels. <laughs> it's all like fine. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And the shepherds make a beeline for Bethlehem. And now they're looking for this baby boy who has been born that they've been 
told about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had told them about this child. Like they are all fired up. And in this moment, what you need to know is the declaration that is being made is joy to the world. Like if, if you're looking for help and you're looking for hope, this is that moment. Emmanuel in Luke is a story of hope and help for all humanity. Rescue is on the way. It has shown up. He's moved into the neighborhood. God is with us. And I don't know about you, but we live in a world that could use a little help and hope these days. Maybe in your world, you could use a little help and hope these days. I would say this, Jesus' birth is meant to fill us with joy and fill hell with dread. In fact, what you discover in the scriptures is that this moment is putting hell on notice, that their days are numbered. The Redeemer has come. Emmanuel, God with us, has shown up on the scene. And there are a bunch of things happening sort of behind the scenes that you don't get in this story, but they're found in several other places. In fact, in two other nativities specifically in the scriptures, which brings me to end times Emmanuel. Um, if you grew up in church world, in particular in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, 80s were not that long ago. I just want to say that out loud. Um, but anyways, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, you may have been introduced to the Left Behind series on the book of Revelation. Anybody grow up terrified of the book of Revelation? Like you fully expected to come home from school one day and everybody's clothes were folded on the floor and you were the only one left and the songs playing in the background. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Like a certain level of dread or fear that well, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I didn't pray the prayer right. Maybe I wasn't the old. I swore today. Am I going to hell? I don't know. Like this, but Revelation was never intended to be that. The original audience would have read it as a book full of hope, a story about what God had done, was doing, and was going to do in the world. In fact, uh, this is a vivid picture. I came across this the other day. I ate the baby Jesus from our Christmas nativity scene, not looking forward to his second coming. <laughs> My wife said to me earlier, she was like, are you really going to use that? And I'm like, how long have we been married? I'm like, of course I'm going to use it. <laughs> but I think that sort of low-grade lack of anticipation for the moment, when Jesus would return. And yet there's a nativity story. Like it is clearly a story about the birth of Jesus, but from an entirely different perspective than you've probably ever heard the story told. Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. This is a description, not 
just of the nation of Israel, but specifically Mary, who comes out of the nation of Israel and is going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, this next part in Revelation 12, I've never, ever seen in anyone's nativity set anywhere, but I'm planning on getting one for mine. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven crowns or diadems. It's this description of evil, of Lucifer, of Satan, also in this scene where this woman is giving birth to a male child. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Here's what you need to know. When I say all hell was put on notice, all of hell did not want this moment that we celebrate in this evening and tomorrow to ever happen. In fact, it is the reason that the Jewish people have been attacked and attempts at annihilating them from the earth have happened over and over and over again in human history. Because hell knows that when the Messiah comes, everything changes. Goes on, she gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. And then it shifts gears and it describes a scene in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies that is going on as a result of this child being born. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Here's what's interesting to me, that heaven, Michael and his angels are actually the ones attacking. Lucifer is on the defense. Do you hear the description? The Messiah is being born into the world. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is coming into the world to signal the end of the reign of darkness, both now and forever. And he does everything within his power to stop this. But here's what I love about this passage, is that heaven isn't on the defense. In fact, Jesus describes it in this way. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I don't know if you know this. Gates never attack people. (laughs) Unless you're in Palmer during a windstorm, and then it happens fairly often. But, like, gates don't attack. What he's describing is that heaven is on the offensive, kicking the gates in and taking back ground. It's the picture given here. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, and his angels were thrown down with him. Here's what I see in this nativity in Revelation, which I've never taught a nativity story from before. What I see here is that Emmanuel in Revelation is actually a story of protection from and power over evil. Like it's a story of victory. It's a declaration that authority resides someplace other than with darkness. In fact, Jesus will describe it in his own words in these ways. Like in John chapter 13, 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over, what does it say? Everything. Everything. 
and that he had come from God and would return to God. Matthew 28, verse 18, his last conversation with his disciples, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given most of the authority. Okay, fine. All authority in heaven and on earth. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These declarations that Emmanuel, God with us, is still true and will be true forever. In fact, one of my favorite passages is found in Colossians chapter 2. Most of my life, I sort of heard Good Friday taught as though it wasn't all that great. Like we put up with Good Friday because, you know, Sunday's on the way. But in Colossians, Jesus on the cross is actually described as a moment of victory for heaven. I'd always sort of heard it taught like hell was rejoicing when Jesus died on the cross, but that's not how the scriptures actually describe that event. Here's what it says, Colossians chapter 2. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. I love the past tense language. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. This is the moment that hell had actually attempted to kill the baby that we celebrate being born into the world right now. This was the moment that they never wanted to arrive. If you were to think about it in these terms, because much of my life in the circles I grew up in, we thought about there's a demon under every rock and demonic forces have so much power. If you look in pop culture and media, demonic forces are really powerful things. But according to Colossians chapter 2, they've actually been disarmed. That doesn't mean their arms have been cut off. <laughs> that means their weapons have been taken away, that they do not have the power or the authority. I can remember years ago when this first dawned on me, we were on a trip in India. We were in um, Andhra Pradesh going into a, uh, an area called Orissa, um, and Orissa was some of the heaviest persecution of Christians at the time. And we had to go in at night, and we were crossing a river called the Silaru River. And on our way down to the river, a witch doctor came out. My son and my wife were both with me. A witch doctor came out, put this little sacrifice on the trail, did his voodoo judo thing, and then like um, cursed us and ran on his way. So there's this little fire burning there with whatever little sacrifice he threw on the ground. I just remember thinking to myself, that's so stupid. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. And this is because my framework had radically shifted. I, I just walked by it, giggled, and kicked it off the trail. Because it doesn't have power. But I could loan a disarmed enemy weapons, which are the weapons that he fights you and I with, weapons that we let him borrow. We let him borrow fear and unforgiveness and anxiety, depression, and anger. The question I have to pause and ask myself routinely is, do I want to give my enemy weapons to fight me with? Because I actually have been given authority. 
This baby that's born into the world is born into the world for this moment that's coming when he will disarm and publicly shame all your enemies. Emmanuel. I would say it this way. Emmanuel has defeated your enemies and declared victory for all eternity. I don't think we actually have, um, uh, we have a problem with this being true. I think we have a problem seeing how it's true. Because we live in a world that has all kinds of challenges in it. And what I've discovered over the years is that people with lots and lots of money can't buy their way out of the challenges that are in this world. Often they bring more challenges. And I know most people are like, well, I'd like to experience that for myself. But the truth of the matter is you can't buy happiness. And you can't buy peace. And you can't buy joy. And you can't buy contentment. But Jesus promises that he has them in spades for you if you would trust him with your life. Which brings me to the last one, the illuminated Emmanuel. The third perspective. Most scholars would tell you, and I'm not putting myself in the camp of scholars, most people would tell you that there's two nativity stories in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I actually think there's three. Luke and Mark have theirs, but I actually think the third one is actually found in John. And when you first read it, you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a nativity story, but it actually is a story of light being born into the world. It reads very different, but it's every bit as true. It's a different perspective on what was happening on this night that we celebrate. It's actually what was going on in the world at this time. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but we're two days past the darkest day of the year. We're gaining light every day right now. Go Alaska. Um, I don't know why, because we're gaining like nanoseconds right now, but it feels so good. Like I just started getting more tan after the winter solstice passed. Like it just happens, like something internally. But this is the description in John is that light has dawned on the world and nothing can stop it from taking over the darkness. We're not going the other direction, at least for a while. Like, I know it's coming. Don't fret about it yet. Right now we're gaining daylight every day. But here's how it is described in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. I've shared this with you before, but the word that's actually used here is the word logos. And logos is a Greek philosophical term. The, the, the word literally means logic. Like, rationality. If you're wondering what makes sense of the world that we find ourselves in, Jesus. That's how he's describing Jesus, and he's using a term that was used consistently in the Greek world, in the philosophical world, and he's saying, you have been searching through all of your ideas to discover what makes sense of the world you live in. I'll just tell you, it's Jesus. In the beginning was the logos, or the word, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. It's a nativity, but it's the birth of what makes sense, that the creator, the God of all the universe, was born into our world, and the light should have dawned on us, but we could not comprehend it. And yet, darkness cannot overcome it. I love the but statements in the scriptures, like the one T, not two T. Like, I love the but statements in the scriptures, and they rejected him, but to all, all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. If in Luke, Emmanuel is hope and help for all humanity, and if in Revelation, Emmanuel is protection and victory over all your enemies, I would say Emmanuel in John is a story of incarnation, God showing up in skin and invitation. He's saying, I don't want you to miss it. Like, you've missed it before. I've missed it before. They missed it then. But the reality is, it's still him. That what we celebrate on this evening, if you're wondering if what we celebrate is what he showed up for, this is what he showed up for you. That you could discover him. And the promise is this, that the one, the logos, the one who makes sense of everything, wants to make sense of your mess and my mess too. That on an individual personal level. He cares. He wants you to know that Emmanuel isn't a past thing. It's not a night that we celebrate one thing that happened here. But if Jesus' words are true, he will never leave you or forsake you. He is always here, even to the end of the age, that Emmanuel is still God with us. And so what is it that you're searching for this Christmas? I'll tell you, I like spend a lot of time searching for gifts on Amazon. I'm just scrolling through stuff. In fact, I saw a meme today. It, it was a guy giving another guy a hug, and it said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop tracking that package. It's in Jesus' hands now. <laughs> like, so true. But even for my family, because I can be just as busy as the next person. Maybe the question is better this, are you searching? Because if I could do one thing, if I could give you hope that help is available, that's what I'd want to do. If I could introduce you to Emmanuel, God with us, if I could make it happen for you, I would. But what I can tell you is that he can. And if you've been waiting on an invitation, consider yourself invited to meet Jesus, to experience all that he has and all that this season 
is actually about. And so if you're wanting hope and help, Emmanuel is here. If you want protection and victory, Emmanuel is here. If, you are been, if you've been waiting to be invited in, he is inviting you in. And to all who believe, who simply trust that he is the one who can cover us, all the good and all the bad, that he's got it, and that we can trust him with our lives, he just is thrilled to give you the right to be called children of God. And our prayer for you is that this season, you would discover the exact same reason that Jesus showed up the first time is the reason he's showing up this time, right here, right now, for you and for me. Would you stand with me? Here in just a moment, our ushers are going to come and they're going to be lighting candles. Uh, you can stay where you're at. You can just light one on the end and then across. Please don't hand them off to your children after that. We want a new building. We just don't want it in that way. Um, uh, what we're really going to sing about and celebrate is the light of the world. And our prayer is that he will be light and life in your world as well. So Jesus, we say we love you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful to have seasons that we come around and moments of remembrance that we celebrate in. And we pray even now, Lord Jesus, be with us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.